It's Tuesday, June 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, back in the United States of America, it's Jason Moser, looking tanned, hey man. rested, well, and ready. I feel like, in my defense, I probably am always looking tanned to some level. Like I was adopted, so I don't know necessarily the bloodline there, but we've all determined that there must be some Mediterranean in me. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, maybe. But I as got someone a who bit... sees you pretty much every day, you're looking more tanned. <laughs> maybe a little bit more tanned. There was a lot of sun there. You're a little bit closer to the equator in Costa Rica. Yeah, we'll get to that, um, <laughs> and we'll get to. Some drama, or maybe not drama, between Warren Buffett and 3G Capital. We'll unpack that as well. Once again, we're going to start with a big deal. Uh, this time uh, in the healthcare space, and I'm saying healthcare, just the, the huge umbrella yeah. of healthcare. Uh, Abvi buying Allergan, Allergan, the maker of Botox. This is a $63 billion deal, cash in stock. Allergan, if you're a shareholder, well, you're having a heck of a good day because the buyout price is 45% higher than yesterday's close. <laughs> I am curious, though, uh, at the fact that Allergan is now only trading up about 25, 28% higher. We'll get to whether or not this deal goes through, but this is this is yet another big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whether it goes through is going to be interesting, just from the perspective that. It wasn't all that long ago that there was an offer made, I believe, for Allergan for for quite a bit more than today's offer. But then also the recent calls have been for the company actually to split up and spin off some of its assets to realize more value that way. Um, and then you find yourself where you are today as a shareholder in the deal. And is is that going to be the best way to realize value for Allergan shareholders? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I feel like it is a deal that brings together two companies that can likely do more together then separately there's not a lot of overlap there you know i look at this space it kind of feels like that chip maker space in the sense that they're always stuck on this wheel of of never ending innovation you've always got to come up with something new the next big thing um and if you don't come up with that next big thing i mean that the fall from grace can be pretty pretty severe but i mean you know with allergen i mean that that's i think most people probably know it for botox and um you know, I'm a little bit conflicted there, just because Botox. I know there's some therapeutic implications there with migraines. It seems to be more something people associate with wrinkles and like cosmetic stuff. You got to wonder how really necessary that is. I mean, other than just someone's vanity, and I don't really <laughs> have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, but you know, I mean, it's a difficult line of work. Drugs face a lot of scrutiny and. There are going to be plenty of failures. Uh, it's questionable, honestly, today whether you should be using some of them. So, uh, interesting to see how this all plays out. Well, and yesterday, Dan Klein and I talked about the the merger in the casino industry with El Dorado and Caesars, and that's one that you know, at least to hear Dan Klein tell it over the long term, that's you know, the, he he feels good about that deal. Uh, clearly, based on what's happening with shares of AbbVie today. 
it looks like there are plenty of people who don't like this deal, or at least think that they are paying too much for Allegan because shares of AbbVie are down about 15%. And it's not like this stock's been lighting the world on fire the last 18 months. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we talk about that a lot and that the acquirer usually feels a little bit of a pinch on the day of a deal and the, the acquired feels a little bit of a bump. It does seem like these are heavier reactions than we might normally see. And I mean, I do get that because when you look at Allergan in its overall business. I mean, you're talking essentially between Botox Cosmetics and Therapeutics, that's more than $2.5 billion of the company's overall sales. And that growth is clearly slowing down. I mean, if you look at those numbers. But then when you look at the two companies combined, um, I mean, there are risks out there when it comes to generics. I mean, a lot of these drugs uh, that, they, that they've been uh, you know, benefiting from for so long. Starting to come off patent now, and generics come a threat. There was a uh, there was a depression drug I think recently that Allergan had trouble with. Um, and I mean, again, I mean, you go back to this idea that I I, I do think we are hitting a, a new generation a new generational mentality that is going to question whether. We need a lot of a lot of these drugs. I mean, whether it's a depression, I mean, there's serious there's serious problems out there, right? I mean, I'm not making light of something like depression. I mean, any any of these things require um, attention. But but if you re- any of these commercials for for these drugs, I mean, it becomes now more. They read off. It takes more time for them to read off the side effects and potential implications, as opposed to the benefits of the drug. I mean, you remember that Simpsons? I mean, I gotta always go back to the Simpsons, right? You remember that Simpsons a while back where. Homer was approached to be the spokesman for Viagra Gain. Do you remember that? A lot. It gives you a lot of hair and what you need down there. Oh, that's right. And and then, but the <laughs> possible side effects include loss of scalp and penis. That's what was said next, and that's what these drugs always feel like. It's you. You see this little benefit, and you're like, oh well, that's nice. But then you hear about the side effects, you're like, why in the hell would I take that thing? It sounds like I may die. Maybe I'd just rather do it on my own terms. So I, there is something I think they have to figure out there, um, and I'm not sure it's so so simple because because it does feel like the it feels like this space is only becoming more uh, pointed in that direction where you question the benefits versus the costs, and so the consolidation is not terribly surprising. But two companies with slowing growth doesn't necessarily make one company that can then accelerate growth. Speaking of slowing growth, let's talk about Kraft Heinz because shares are down about 50% or so this year. Um, there have been reports of trouble between Berkshire Hathaway and 3G Capital. Uh, bears remembering that those two teamed up a few years back to buy Kraft Heinz and got a lot of headlines at the time, and rightly so, in part because Warren Buffett has, uh, or certainly had up to that point, a track record of making acquisitions essentially on his own. And so, at the time, it was like, oh, here's this new deal. Uh, Also, Buffett has been critical in the past of private equity, so it raised a couple of eyebrows that Berkshire Hathaway would team up with a private equity firm even one with the reputation of 3G Capital, and then go out and buy Kraft Heinz. Um, apparently, these reports—you know—you hear little rumblings here and there. It never struck me as something that was front-page news. I, you know, maybe I missed it, but I—I I, I don't know that the Wall Street Journal had some splashy headline on the front page about some big rift. But apparently, Warren Buffett felt the need to 
reach out to CNBC and come out and today and say that uh, there's no tension between Berkshire Hathaway and 3G. He really downplayed these reports. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know your reaction, but my reaction was well, first of all, <laughs> given what's happened, given the way Kraft Heinz has performed, particularly over the last two years, the write downs that have happened for Berkshire Hathaway, the fact that Buffett has had to come out and say, oh, yeah, we paid too much for this, I think any reasonable person would expect there to be. Some level of tension. Yep. This seems like a little bit of uh, you know he doth protest too much. Your your Slack message was just it made me laugh on my way to work because you're just like really shouldn't there be some tensions? Because yeah, you're damn right there should be. Yeah, the stock has gotten killed and for for a lot of a lot of not necessarily uh, easy to fix reasons. It seems like um, I mean. It, it, Misreporting notwithstanding, right? Restatements notwithstanding. This, on its surface, right. this thank, is. Thank you. I just to add parenthetically, yes, Kraft Heinz also some accounting problems. Yeah, and it does. I mean, that's not. That's it's certainly we've seen other companies that have had that. And I mean, it's you're talking about something that's very fixable, and, and, and re, you can recover from that. But you know, I think the thing about this deal that always struck me, it. On the surface, it's right in his wheelhouse, right? It's just consumer brands. It's not tech related. It's food. It's something you associate with your our childhood, really. I mean, we, a lot of these brands we you and I associate with our childhoods, and um, I think that's part of the problem, really. I mean, I know he said that the biggest problem facing Kraft Heinz is that Heinz overpaid when merging with Kraft in July, and then. They made a mistake in in overpaying for that investment. I, I think it goes far deeper than that. I mean, I think that these are brands that are they're not resonating with with younger generations of consumers today, and I don't think that necessarily changes so quickly. Uh, particularly when you see the attitudes towards what people are eating, uh, the brands that are coming up from that, and the nature of being able to get that get out there and and. Brand bill that didn't exist when we were growing up. I mean, via social media and other other channels. I mean, I, I just—it's not to say that this is some you know trip to zero. I mean, I don't think that's the case. There's value in in Kraft and Heinz and Philly cream cheese and whatnot. But I don't I don't look at those as as uh, brands that are going to be leading the way going forward. And I think that. Uh, you know, for for them to just think that overpaying was the problem, I think misses the point entirely. Well, and I'm not I'm not rooting against Berkshire Hathaway. I'm not rooting against Warren Buffett. I but part of me, just to be completely honest, part of me is heartened by the fact that yeah, Warren Buffett's human. Sure, he, you know, and he would probably like a mulligan on this one. And we, from time to time, we talk about uh, sunk costs and how that's hard to fight against as an investor. Turns out, it's hard for Warren Buffett to fight against because at the time of this deal in 2013, one of the things Buffett said at the time was, "Oh yeah, I've had my eye on Heinz going back to 1980. <laughs> so for more than 30 years, he had, on some level, been looking at the Heinz business and saying, "Boy." I sure would like to get some of that. Yeah, and ironically, had he made that investment back then, I'm sure things would have worked out a lot better. Um, I mean, I think you 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 really hit in on something there that I would love to know. Like, given a mulligan, and, and if you could have this deal for half of what you paid for it, 
would would you do it again? I mean, I would ask Buffett that question. Would you do it again if you could have it for half? Because I mean, maybe he would, maybe he would. I mean, I think the value investor in him quite possibly would. I would still question that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, it just goes back to sometimes things are cheap for a reason. U.S. News and World Report has come out with their annual list of the best places to travel to. Paris coming in at number one, followed by New Zealand's South Island, then Rome, Tahiti, and London rounding out the top five. Number twenty-nine on the list, Costa Rica. Hey. Um, now, I did note, <laughs> um, and I do want to hear, you know, not only what kind of time you had in Costa Rica with your family, but also to the extent that you had business. Takeaways. I always do. Um, but I did note that in their write-up, U.S. News and World Report included this caveat when it comes to Costa Rica, and I'm quoting here: "Just make sure you plan a visit during the country's dry season between mid-December and April." <laughs> and I read that this morning. I thought, "Huh? Let so me check Jason, the calendar." First I'm, question. I'm pretty sure Jason's trip fell outside that window. It definitely did. And um, I mean, first and foremost, I thank my lovely wife for lobbing this idea up. Many, many months ago, uh, because once she said Costa Rica, I thought, hey, I'm all in. That's a place we've never been, and we'd love to go go visit. And so we planned it for a while. Thankfully for us, the weather worked out really well. I and mean, we had a couple of days that were total rainouts, and, and just very fortunate that on those days, we didn't have anything planned. Um, and the house that we had rented was on top of a mountain on the Pacific Ocean side of, of the country. So, you know, we had a nice view and, and, uh, Easy way to spend the day, even even when the weather was bad. But um, I mean, I mean, that's the first time we've ever been. I loved it. I mean, I feel like if you love nature and wildlife and animals, that's a place you really need to go visit. I can't speak to the other side of the country, but I do know that. On, I mean, from what I've understood, the Pacific side is um, is better from a wildlife perspective, and, and certainly we got to see a lot of it. Uh, from a business standpoint, I know from following you on Twitter, you were reading uh, John Kerry's book *Bad Blood*. Yeah, yeah, that was just entertainment. I mean, that was I had I had spoken with uh, Greg uh, Greg Gages, a member of ours at, at Fool Fest, and um, and he had just told me because I was waiting to actually just watch the the documentary on HBO, and he said, "Dude, read the book, then watch the documentary, or watch the documentary, then read the book. But either way, do both." And and so I took him up on that, and no regrets. I mean, it was a terrific book. Um, but I mean, when I when I yeah I I I look at that trip and I think, man, there's so many things I did that we did that touch my portfolio in one way or another. And I'm sure like the easy thing is to come back and talk about payments and travel, right? And so I'm not going to talk about that because I think I've talked about that before um, traveling. But because of Costa Rica, because of the nature and the wildlife side of it, like we went to an, an animal sanctuary one day uh, where they were helping injured animals in the jungle recover, so they could hopefully let them back out. We went horseback riding one day through the jungle and on the beach. It was really cool. Saw just tons of wildlife. It was so cool, um, and it got me thinking that one of the companies. Do I talk about IDX Laboratories a lot on the shows? But the other one that really doesn't get as much attention is Zoetis. Uh, ticker there is ZTS, but they're the business of animal health medicines and vaccines. So whether it's companion animals like dogs, cats, horses, or it's livestock animals, Zoetis is essentially the world's biggest company when it comes to this. Spun out of Pfizer a while back. Um, so a little bit of a bigger company. Perhaps the growth isn't quite like, you know, some type of a rule breaker, but um, plays in a very, very large and growing market 
pays a nice little dividend, uh, well-led. I own shares personally. So, Zoetta struck me as one that, just from the wildlife perspective, I'm certain that some of their uh, stuff was being used down there. And then, from an entertainment perspective beyond the book, um, I really do think Spotify is building a really strong entertainment platform um, beyond music. I think podcasts, I think it's going to become an entertainment platform that people use for so many different things. And they've got such a large user base now with a lot of a lot of data that they can pull from that. They're they're building their own content. Um, I think you're going to be able to do a lot of stuff with it. And and so I think Spotify is another one. The Fats Domino Award that goes to TripAdvisor. You know, ain't that a shame? It's such a helpful service, and for whatever reason, they just cannot build a compelling business from it. I mean, I again, I mean, I said it from the Bahamas, and and Costa Rica was no exception. I just got so much help from TripAdvisor on the trip there, um, but for whatever reason, they've not been able to build a really compelling business out of it, at least yet. Um, maybe that'll change, and then then the one to keep an eye on, I think, um, even when you take a vacation, you know, work never seems to escape you, particularly if you love your work like I do. Uh, so, uh, with the new AR service, I was in touch with some people here, uh, you know, back and forth, and in Slack was really really helpful from that perspective. So that ticker is W O R K. New listing, obviously, uh, but everything from work to got to go have dinner down there with Mario Gatica and his wife Sophia. They're fools and have been to Austin event and uh, more recently at Fool Fest. So we got to go see them in their home country and have dinner nice. with them. It was really cool. Uh, posted a picture of that on Slack and people here at work loved it. Uh, so a lot of different things that platform does. I like the integrations uh, with other companies we like out there uh, that are doing neat stuff, helping workplaces communicate better. So um, that was that was what was going through my mind when I wasn't completely unplugging. Nice. Glad you unplugged, and I'm glad you made it back. Thanks, man. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.